We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. Joining me shortly, as always, will be Chris Biederman. He is the 49ers beat writer for the Sacramento Bee. Training camp has started. We're recording this Thursday night. The 49ers have gotten two practices in. There have been press conferences. Um, We are going to discuss the big takeaways from camp so far. Uh, an important context. It's been two practices. We're not projecting, you know, season long things here, but this is the first kind of real action we've gotten to see. But then again, you know, pads haven't come on yet. They're still players limited. So we'll discuss all of that uh, coming up. Football season is back. It's for real. And we're excited to talk to you about it. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Kittle in Denver territory. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Bosa's got him and a second back inside the 30-yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard loss. All right, we're locked in. Chris, welcome back. Bienvenidos. Thank you. Thank we you. We have I, done. Have you recovered from the Warriors draft yet? No, no. I'm letting it marinate. I've gotten all my angry text messages out, my irrational knee-jerk fan reactions, and now I'll let it marinate and I'll think about it and I'll listen to the takes and I'll read the takes. But my early returns, not great. I was at the, let me tell you, I was at the Light Years podcast, the Warriors podcast here on the Blue Wire podcast network, Sam and Andy, two great dudes. Check out their stuff if uh, if you're a Warriors fan and are not already subscribed over there. Um, they had a little draft party shindig at uh, Deviant Brewing in San Francisco, and I went to that, and it was a great time. And it made me look forward to our event at Cooperage on August 13th, So like so much more and i didn't know that that was possible <laughs> that's a that's a good that's a good plug it was really a good transition was, by you and a good plug really for sure. yeah yeah for sure so what we're going to discuss at our event august 13th is what we've seen in 49ers training camp so far and yeah. that's what we're going to do today so chris you're there you're doing your job as a beat writer you're 
observing practice, I am an aggregator. So I just read kind of what you guys write and I, I form thoughts and opinions based on that. So that's how this podcast is going to run a little bit today. We're going to run through kind of the key themes and then we're going to have uh, a discussion kind of based on what has jumped out. So I'm going to, I'm going to go through some things here and if there's anything we kind of miss, uh, feel free to feel free to throw it in where you feel is appropriate. Is that, does that all work? Yeah, that works for me. on the fly. That works okay. for me. So we have to we have to start this podcast, and I'm guessing moving forward we're going to start a lot of podcasts this way. But we're going to start with the quarterbacks, um, Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't even want to talk about on field stuff first. Uh, language warning in three, two, one. Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> said "fuck" in a press conference and shit, and dropped an s bomb on us. Yeah, so. <laughs> Part of me, part of me was like, oh, that's fun. But then another part of me is like, wow, he really doesn't care anymore. <laughs> this is the guy who's just letting it all fly. He, Jimmy Garoppolo is kind of spicy now. Like, and and I think it's sort of, it's manifesting itself, not only like in press conferences, but I think on the field too. Like, I, I think he had, there's an element of Jimmy Garoppolo now that is pissed off by the fact that the 49ers drafted his potential replacement in Trey Lance. And he has sort of an edge and, and, you know, you can see it on the practice field. Like Jimmy Garoppolo has not been known as like an excellent practice player, but in Wednesday's practice, he was really good. He wasn't as good uh, on Thursday today, but he, it, it wasn't like he was bad, but you know, there's, and his teammates talk about it. Jason Verrett said he looks like a completely different guy and he's playing with more confidence. And um, you know, people ha- have talked about just, his teammates have talked about just a different intensity that he has. And so, you know, like Jimmy Garoppolo has plenty of reasons to be on edge, even without the 49ers drafting Trey Lance, right? Like Jimmy Garoppolo has missed two of the last three years because of injury and he's a highly paid guy. And there were super high expectations when he came in in 2017 and then got that contract. And then basically the Niners spent all offseason thinking of ways to replace him. And, you know, it started with Deshaun Watson and Matt Stafford potentially. And Kyle Shanahan has not made it a secret that he was interested in, in possibly trading for those guys. And then going to get Trey Lance after all of that stuff happened. Jimmy Garoppolo, I think rightfully is pissed off. And I think he's going, at least for now, it seems like he's going about it in like a competitive, healthy way. Like he's using it as fuel. Um, and regardless, you know, wh- whether he's with the 49ers or not, Jimmy Garoppolo just needs to have a good year for his career. Yes. Correct. Right. Because if if he's not with the 49ers beyond this season, then, you know, like he needs to put a good foot forward so he can go get another contract with another team, yeah. whether it's Denver or Houston or who knows, Philadelphia, whatever, there, there, there's going to be a spot for Jimmy Garoppolo at some point if he plays well. And I think he realizes that for sure. But, you know, when Jimmy Garoppolo first came to the 49ers, he was not somebody who would ever sort of, you know, step outside the boundaries in terms of what you say when you're a quote-unquote franchise cutter. quarterback, right? Like he wasn't a particularly good quote. He would answer your questions, but not in a way that's that's useful at all. But like, he basically just said, yeah, Muhammad Sanu looks fucking great. And then he like laughed about it like he did it on purpose. He was like, excuse the language. And when he was talking about, you know, his ankle injury, like 
Trent Williams said his ankle almost snapped and Jimmy said it was, you know, super painful, but players always have to deal with shit like that. Like that's, that's how he described it. (laughs) And so there's just, it's like he's swearing on purpose. Yeah. And it's, so there's just like different edge. He's like, whatever, like the organization's going to be mad at me. Well, you're going to be mad at me, but you're also trying to replace me. So why should I care? You know, at this point, so sort of the vibe that it's just a different vibe around Garoppolo. And, and I think he's, he's it's manifesting itself on the field and in, in just the way he's playing i think he's playing well um at least early in training camp and there was a lot of talk you know when when players reported on tuesday about you know when kyle shanahan said it, it was like jimmy was really good during otas and so you know like i think that's sort of carrying over right now and who knows if this if this you know translates to the field and and i don't think his injury concerns are have necessarily gone away but Rich Gangarello is back. And you remember, he was Jimmy Garoppolo's quarterback coach when he was first traded to the 49ers in 2017. He's back now in that same role. And Jimmy Garoppolo talked about Scangarello like in glowing terms. Like it really meant a lot to him to get Scangarello back. And it seems like those two have a really good working relationship. And I don't know, for whatever reason, Jimmy Garoppolo might be that guy who, or at least closer to the version of that guy who came in in 2017 and came in with his hair on fire and just sort of balled out and was playing with a ton of confidence. And, you know, he wasn't the most confident guy in last season, even when he was healthy. We saw it in that in that Arizona game in the opener. So I think really the the early takeaway is that like they lit a they lit a fire under Jimmy Garoppolo's ass. And I think it's manifesting itself in a healthy way and it's leading to him playing well. And Trey Lance is having a good camp too. And we'll talk about him for sure, but like it's for now, like I've covered, this is my ninth training camp. This is, this is shaping up to be a very competitive quarterback situation. The 49ers have, and it's probably the most competitive quarterback situation they've had since I started covering the team. Um, and that was after Colin Kaepernick took the job from Alex Smith. But um, so yeah, it's that's that to me is really what stands out so far is just Jimmy Garoppolo being a different person and playing pretty well as a result of it. I think that was a little bit the goal. The fact that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, that's not to say, that's not to say that they, they traded three first round picks to make Jimmy Garoppolo mad so he would play better. But Shanahan, one of the things Shanahan said from the jump is like, oh, Jimmy's mad and we think he's going to play better when he's mad. And I think there's an element of of competitiveness, I think is the word. I think that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. There's an element of competitiveness that kicks in at anybody. Like to be this, people say this all the time, to get to the professional level, there has to be a drive in you that's just a little bit different than, than the lay person. Absolutely. And I mean, there's physical you know, God-given talent and stuff that, that comes into play too. But there's a competitive drive that puts a person like Jimmy Garoppolo in a position to be a second-round pick in the NFL and then to hang in round in the NFL for, for what has it been, seven, eight years now. So that's going to kick in on some level. And it it looks like, again, I said this, I said this at the top of the podcast. You can't take away, it's not, this is not to say, oh, the Niners are set with Jimmy Garoppolo and he's going to turn his career around. No, I mean, yeah. Can, can I make a comparison? Can I make please, a comparison please, real quick? Help me out. 
the best training camp I've ever seen from a quarterback covering while covering the 49ers over the last, you know, eight or nine years was Brian Hoyer in 2017. Really? So that's that's the context. Like Brian Hoyer was really good during training camp that year. So yeah. like this is the context. Like just because you're going to training camp doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be really good on Sundays once the regular season starts. But it just looks like you're seeing a version of Jimmy Garoppolo closer to 2017. Anyway, continue. And I think that's important because while, you know, the this is the first time that he's ever, you said it, it's the first time he's ever had anybody really pushing him. Nick Mullins was never going to overtake Jimmy Garoppolo as a starter. That was never going to happen. CJ Beathard was never going to do that. So it's just an, the, the takeaway from this for me, for, from Garoppolo, and we'll talk about Lance here next, but the takeaway for me early on from Garoppolo is that this idea that, hey, maybe he's really good this year and puts the Niners in a little bit of a tough spot at the end of the year or really helps the Niners if they're looking to trade him. Um, that notion felt not far-fetched, but it felt less likely than, oh, you know, maybe he doesn't, he comes in and doesn't play great and eventually gets benched. And uh, I'm leaning further toward the idea that like, oh, maybe he does come in and ball out. Maybe this idea that he is pissed off and, and the notion of like, screw it. If I'm going to get cut anyways, I might as well go down swinging. Um, I think that's, that's one of the things that's really that's really jumped out is is the the manifestation of Jimmy Garoppolo being mad and playing better. Yeah, and and, and again, been, it's still early. Yeah, and the numbers have sort of uh, bore this out, right? Like, I, I don't have them in front of me. I would need to, I would need to go look them up. But I know, like, Jimmy Garoppolo in drives after he throws an interception is is typically good, right? So maybe that that's sort of an element of this, right? Is that when Jimmy Garoppolo is upset and people have said it before, but it's sort of hard to, you know, it's hard to to read into it. It, it was hard to read into those things when people say, oh, Jimmy plays better when he's mad. Well, it's like, all right, what does that necessarily that? Yeah. mean? <laughs> but now we're, now we're actually seeing it. And so I, I think one thing that might be underrated overall or something maybe overlooked is just the idea that, Hey, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't necessarily a finished product. And maybe if he can stay healthy, he can get better. And Kyle Shanahan has said that. Um, mm -hmm. And he's mostly, you know, he said it's been hard for Jimmy to get better because of all the injuries, but maybe this is an opportunity now for Garoppolo to take that leap and play more like the quarterback. He was in 2017. Um, but yeah, I, no, go ahead. I think that's one of the things that, that got a little bit lost last season was, I mean, you talked about it. Trent Williams talked about it. Jimmy Garoppolo talked about it. His ankle almost snapped. Yeah. And going into last year, it was all right. In 2019, he threw for 3,900 yards. You know, he threw maybe, what was it? 27 touchdowns and 13 picks or whatever it was. Yeah. It was like, maybe there's a step forward. He takes where he throws for 4,400 yards and 30 touchdowns and nine interceptions there's another step. He didn't get a chance to get to that step last year. And so I think you have to go into this season with a little bit the same mindset because we didn't get to see a fully healthy Garoppolo with, with 
I mean, you can go to week one, but I mean, we've talked about this before. Is Dante Pettis and Trent Taylor were the go-to guys with Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel out. So, uh, and George Kittle getting hurt early on. So I think it's really tough to judge Jimmy Garoppolo still. And I'm not ruling out that the level we thought he might be able to get to last year can still be reached this season. Yeah, I think that's right. Which brings us to Trey Lance, Mm. which is obviously the other half of this. I'm letting you take this because I I need to, I need to know everything. I, I think he's been salt. Like, I think he's been good. I really do. Like, you you see rookie quarterbacks come in and just really struggle right away a lot of the time. And yeah, there have been some things. There have been some cadence issues. There's been some pre-snap things, but that's all sort of to be expected. But like he he makes some throws downfield and hits guys downfield and plays with a lot of confidence. And one of the big talking points about Trey Lance and training camp was that in the 40 days between the end of uh, mini camp in June and the start of training camp this month, he worked a lot and that he worked a, a lot in, you know, with Mohamed Sanu in Atlanta and with Brandon Ayuk. Um, and I think a couple other receivers in LA and, you know, that work is showing up and everybody's noticing it and he's, he's playing aggressively. And that was one thing that was interesting about OTAs. It was like, all right, you know, a lot of check downs, just sort of taking what the defense gives you, checking the ball down and and sort of using that as the basis for your early development. What isn't necessarily a bad thing, but you're like, all right, you know, Trey Lance isn't just going to be a check down guy, right? He's not going to be Blaine Gabbert. But now it's like he's making confident throws. He's moving around in the pocket. Today, he recognized a corner blitz and threw to the other side of the field for, for a nice completion. Um, and, you know, it wasn't perfect. It hasn't been perfect, but just given that it's his second pro practice and now he's going against an NFL defense for the first time, albeit without pads for right now. And that's the obvious caveat, too. There haven't been pads yet. They've had, they're not going to have right. their first padded practice until Monday, which will be their fifth practice of camp after having an off day on Sunday. So they'll practice again Friday and Saturday to off day Sunday, and then the pads will come on next week. So maybe things change then. But... The coaching staff has, you know, he Trey Lance is very clearly the second quarterback right now. And Kyle Shanahan hasn't been willing to call it a quarterback competition yet, but I think it's pretty clear mm. it's trending that direction. He hasn't called it a quarterback competition because he wants to see Trey Lance make it a quarterback uh, quarterback <laughs> battle, make it he wants to make it a quarterback battle first, right? Let me so, let me ask you, let me ask you real quick just on yeah. that front. He said that Lance is going to have to win the QB two job. Is he doing that so far? Yeah. Well, no. So he didn't, he, he didn't say he like Lance is the backup. Right. What I was trying to say, I think was that, you know, Shanahan made it clear. It's Jimmy's job for right now. And it's not a competition yet until Lance proves that he can make it a competition. And I think we're going to get there pretty soon based on the way Lance is playing. Wow. And, you know, he's working with the second unit exclusively, but what the coaches are also doing, you know, they're sprinkling George Kittle in with the second group. They're sprinkling Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and Mohamed Sanu, who we'll also talk about. Um, So, like, he's throwing passes to the starting pass catchers. The only difference is getting second team reps is you're playing behind the second team offensive line and you're mostly going against the second team defense. So he hasn't gone against the starting defense yet, which is also of note. Um, But considering he's a rookie, considering this is his first time going through this, considering he didn't play very much 
in 2020, just one game, Trey Lance looks pretty good. And so for me, watching them on the practice field, it's like, all right, Jimmy Garoppolo is playing at a high level. At least right now, he's he's practicing at a high level. And that's apparent. And he has experience within the system and he's a veteran and he knows, you know, he's a team leader, captain, et cetera, et cetera. But Trey Lance is like, you watch him play and you're like, God, this guy's talented. Right. And so he's not, he, there are still rookie things that he's going through and that's to be expected, but there are still flashes and still throws where you're like, wow, you know, like he can, he can move around and and he can, he's, he's got a lot of velocity on some of his throws. He hit Debo Samuel during seven on sevens on like a 40 yard. It was just like a missile and it hit, it hit Debo right in stride. Wow. And it was between two defenders and it was like, okay, you know, like the Niners haven't had somebody make a throw like that since probably 2013 when like Colin Kaepernick was really humming. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is, let this me, is very interesting. I think what's happening because you're getting two guys through two practices and I don't want to overreact, but you're getting two quarterbacks, two practices who are playing pretty well. And I think it's, it, might end up being more competitive than we thought because for me, I didn't think Jimmy Garoppolo would come in and play that well personally. Yeah. And what? I know we talked about it. Like it never, it, in my mind, it, it wouldn't have surprised me at all if Trey Lance won the starting job, but Jimmy Garoppolo is putting up a really good fight. And I think Trey Lance might be playing at least getting off to a better start than I expected for him, given all the time off he had coming out of North Dakota state. Okay, so I'm glad you said that because it sort of leads me into my question about Lance. As you said that Lance has looked better than you expected. How so? Like what what has he done better? What what are maybe some specific things he done he's done? I know you mentioned that throw to Debo Samuel. There was also apparently a, a throw to throw to George Kittle down the sideline. Yeah. Uh between a couple defenders where he let Kittle go up and get it, but what have been the things that have jumped out where you've gone like, oh, I didn't expect that? Or when you walk away from practice, you're going, wow, Lance played better than I thought he would. He generally goes to the right place with the ball, it seems like. Hmm. Like he's not, he hasn't, he's had some, you know, some erratic throws. Like he he's had a couple where the timing might have been a little bit off or, um, you know, they might have been high. And that, that was a little bit of an issue at OTAs and obviously, um, accuracy was one of the concerns coming out, you know, of college just as a prospect. And some of those things have shown up, but, you know, Kyle Shanahan said it, he just knows where to go with the ball. And like the most impressive thing that for him, from Kyle Shanahan's perspective was just that like, okay, he's worked, he's, he's worked really hard to learn the offense and he just knows it. Like it, he, he I don't want to say he knows it. Cause I don't know for a fact how much he knows, but like, he's operating in a way where he's not, he's not a deer in headlights. We'll put it that way. And so Mm. he knows where to go with the ball. And we haven't seen the other element of Trey Lance's game in practice. It's just him dropping back and making reads and making throws. There isn't any quarterback running yet. There isn't that there's a little bit of like off schedule play stuff. um, But not really because he can stand in the pocket. Nobody's going to hit him or sack him. Right. Um, right. So there's there's that whole element too. And Garoppolo's made a, a couple nice plays, you know, quote unquote off schedule. He had a he was rolling left and threw a really nice pass over uh, Tim Harris Jr. 
at, to Brandon Ayuk, who had to reach and jump and get it. But it was like a, it was a really nice play, both by Ayuk and and Garoppolo, just because he had to roll left and and place it over the defender. But um, but no, Lance is just the the physical tools are very clearly there, but he doesn't look overwhelmed in the pocket, and he looks like he has a, a general command of of what he's doing relative to how much experience he has running it. Right. Right. So there are a lot of signs that are positive, I think from that standpoint, but he's going against a veteran now who's playing at a high level and knows the system a lot better than he does. So it's interesting. I, there's also elements of their relationship we can talk about. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I, I think Lance has gotten off to a good start. I think both players have gotten off to a good start, obviously. And and the the pass catchers have, have been pretty good, too. Um, Brandon Ayuk's been really good. Debo Samuel had a really good practice today. Muhammad Sanu, wide receiver three. Sanu, the resurgent Muhammad He's Sanu. back? Man, I, so I, I more or less owe Muhammad Sanu an apology. And I don't know how much we've talked about this on the podcast. But, like, after last year, I just sort of assumed Muhammad Sanu was washed. Yeah, and well, and after Mike McDaniel brought him up at the end of OTAs, yeah, you're like we kind of talked about it, and it was like, okay, he's just propping up a veteran. Yeah, a lot of guys get gassed up during during right. gassed up is thank you. I was, yeah, a lot of guys get gassed up I during the offseason. Like, oh, so and so looks awesome, blah blah blah, and you're like, all right, I need to see it to believe it. Muhammad Sanu is playing really well, hmm. and he's moving really well. And Kyle Shanahan said he's moving in a similar way he was when the 49ers were interested in trading for him in 2019, when he got traded to the Patriots and then had the high, hang, the high ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. Um, Chanan said, you know, he's, he looks almost all the way back and the high ankle sprain really sort of lingered for a long time. And now he's healthy. And it's like, if Muhammad Sanu's healthy and playing like Atlanta Falcons, Muhammad Sanu, which is what Kyle Shanahan said, he sort of looks like. And I think, and I think that's true based on what I've seen at practice that really changes the 49ers, you know, number three receiver conversation. We've had a yeah. lot, right? Um, so again, just two practices. But Sanu's been, Sanu has been, I don't want to say a revelation, but just a surprise, right? Like it's just surprising that somebody who really couldn't move the last two years, all of a sudden looks like the guy who was running around with the Falcons four years ago. Huh. Um, and so, you know, we'll see if that lasts because training camp can be a slog, but that's definitely a positive development for, for the 49ers because they do need that third receiver. They just need somebody that they can count on. And the other thing with Sanu that Debo Samuel talked about yesterday was the fact that, you know, he's a veteran presence in the locker room who knows the offense really well. And they look up to him in a way they did sort of to Emmanuel Sanders in 2019. And Sanders' mentorship and his experience was a big deal for that receiving court because Debo Samuel was a rookie and Kendrick Bourne was an undrafted free agent in his you know, third season. Like it, <laughs> Emmanuel Sanders was a big deal just in terms of his vet- veteran presence. They're talking about Mohamed Sanu in, a same, in the same way. And I tend to believe it because, you know, you you remember Brandon Ayuk went to social media and was pissed off when the Niners released a new early last season. And right. it sounds like Debo Samuel felt similar. So, you know, there that that might be more of a stable spot 
than we anticipated. And that's certainly a positive development because the Niners need depth at receiving core pretty badly. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. So you mentioned real quick that that Brandon Ayuk has looked good. And and from what I've seen via both the team Twitter and from reporters on site, one of the one of the things that really jumps out is we've seen so many receivers have really good rookie years and then be underwhelming in year two with the 49ers during the Kyle Shanahan era. Dante Pettis, especially Trent Taylor. And I know injuries were involved but he just never quite got right. Debo Samuel was pretty disappointing in year two, mostly because of injuries. Um, Brandon Ayuk had a great rookie year. And remember Dante Pettis went into camp in year two and there were concerns in camp. It was like, man, this guy, he doesn't look as good. And Kyle Shanahan was challenging him to be better. And he probably caught like 10% of his targets. Yeah, it was. it, It was really bad. It doesn't sound like Brandon IU is suffering a, a no. similar letdown. No. And Jason Verrett even said, like, he compared him to Julio Jones today. 
Which Whoa. I thought was wild. That's like, insane. Because because Jason, Jason Verrett isn't like a hyperbolic dude, and he's not like he doesn't make statements, but he but on purpose typically. But he was like, there were trade, there were, I forget exactly how he said it, but he basically said that there's there are parts of Ayuk's game and his skill set that remind him of Julio Jones, and you know he's got those really long arms. He's made a lot of like fully extended contested catches. Um, that have been really impressive. He's a good route runner. He's obviously a really good athlete and he's explosive and everything. Um, one thing that Debo Samuel said they work on with Ayuk is is just his get off the snap. Like if there's an area of his game that's not particularly strong, it's that he doesn't react to the snap and get off the ball hmm. to threaten the cornerback fast enough early on in his routes, which was interesting. Um, but otherwise, like Samuel has been very good. And I think... You know, and this needs to be said too. During Wednesday's practice, the first practice of training camp, and and a little bit today, but Tim Harris Jr. was starting. He was at cornerback. He was a guy who's missed basically the last two seasons because of injuries. He was a six-round pick out of Virginia. Um, he's been working with the starters at cornerback because Emmanuel Mosley's on the COVID list, and Jaquaski Tarts also on the COVID list, and that's led to Tavon Wilson working as a starting strong safety. So the Niners secondary with the starters right now is is missing some guys to be sure. And they went right after um, uh, Tim Harris and sorry. Yeah, Tim Harris. They went right. Sorry, I just had a brain fart. They went right after Tim Harris with Ayuk and, and Ayuk was just roasting him. Um, so that got a little bit better on Thursday, but that's that's part of the reason Ayuk has looked pretty good is because they were like, all right. Tim Harris is on him where Jimmy Garoppolo had no problem just going right after him. So it could have been just been a matchup thing, but I, but you know, I do think Ayuk has, has looked good. Um, and you know, he, if he's healthy, man, he has, he has potential and Debo Samuel had a really good practice on Thursday. He had uh, four or five catches, um, at a few different levels of the field and, and, you know, has, has been physical across the middle. He's made some, he made some catches on Jason Verrett over the middle of the field. So I think the receiving core is, is looking better than maybe we, we were expecting um, at least through two practices. Does that, I'm going to, I'm going to change this up a little bit on you here. Okay. Um, just since we're talking about the receiving core, um, Jalen Hurd avoided the pup list, avoided an injured list. Uh, he has been doing individual drills. You posted a video where he looked more fluid than I'd ever seen him really look, look in one of those kind of, uh, quick little practice videos. Yeah. So it was like 10 seconds of him just doing one little break. Yes. <laughs> so you release. have to like for, for release a lot of, is the term for. Yeah. Thank you. Big football guys. Uh, <laughs> that, yeah, that's one of the things that like for, for, for fans that don't get to go to training camp for people who don't get to attend training camp, those little 10 second videos are like what people get. So I think it got like 30,000 views on Twitter. Yeah, just of Jalen Hurd doing a, a quick, uh, like what do you nine, call it, a get-off? It's a release. Yeah, it's literally like a release. Nine. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, it was. A, I believe it was an inside release. 
Uh, <laughs> you can see him cutting outside of his frame. Sure. Uh, no, but he looked he looked genuinely like. All right, so you, you, you let's just let's just throw these three guys out there: Nick Bosa, D. Four, Jalen Hurd. The three guys that there were question marks about where they'd be to start camp. All of them are participating in individual drills. They're yep. not participating in team drills yet. But Jalen Hurd and Nick Bosa. Like look really fluid, really strong. D Ford, not as much to me. But again, like I'm going off little video snippets. So let's go to these guys. Uh, Jalen Hurd looks like he could really be a factor in a way that, like we'd said, like yeah, he if he's healthy, he could be a factor. He looks pretty healthy. He does look healthy. The one silver lining of all the time or silver lining could take from all the time he had off was that, you know, not playing last year because of the knee injury might've really done a lot for his back. Right. Cause he had that back surgery that right. caused him to yeah. miss his rookie year. And so instead of playing football a year after that, he, his back was spared another year because he tore his ACL <laughs> Um, obviously that's not what you want, but back injuries can be tricky. And maybe that year off was really beneficial from that standpoint. And now we're at the point where he's coming up on a year since the, since the ACL tear and he looks like he's moving well and they are taking it slowly with him. He's not doing anything beyond individual drills or, or indie as, as we like to call him. Mm, but, sure, um, sure, sure. but he's, he's definitely moving around. Well, um, he looks skinnier. He doesn't look like any like he when that first season or that first training camp when he was a rookie, he looked like a fringe sort of is he a receiver? Is he tight end? Like now he's he's looked like he's dropped some weight. He's definitely a receiver. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, he looks he looks much closer to like 215, 220 than like the 230, 235 he was his rookie season. And so that's I'm sure that's not hurting his back or his knee. That was probably part of the plan for his recovery. Um, so I, I wouldn't expect him to be, you know, transitioning to tight end anytime soon. But still, like just the fact that he's moving around well and appears healthy. I don't know when he's going to be inserted into team drills. I would imagine it's going to be a week or two still, um, at least. And you mm -hmm. know, maybe maybe he'll get some time in the preseason. But yeah, like that's another, you know, it's it's odd because. <laughs> I feel like we're only talking about positive things and maybe that just feels odd because like last year there were, you know, there was Debo Samuel's injury and there were other COVID early on. There was pandemic. COVID. Yeah. And there was, <laughs> you know, even back in 2019, like Nick Bosa sprained his ankle during the first week of practice. And that felt like a huge deal. And D Ford had like, I think D Ford was out like with knee issues last year, early on in training camp or something. I, I forget. Yeah. He had knee surgery in the off season. Right, right, right. So the bar was so low, right? It in comparison to that, it feels like there are a lot of positive developments with the exception of, I guess, Javon Kinlaw, but it doesn't seem like Kinlaw's issue. And we can talk about that in a second is a, is a big deal right now. But in mm -hmm. terms of like, I would say in terms of Jalen Hurd and Nick Bosa, the arrows pointing up in terms sure. of the way they look in their recovery and their trajectory to, you know, play and contribute this season. Nick Bosa said he plans on being available for week one. It certainly looks that way, in my opinion, mm -hmm. in my yeah, he looks eye. really good. He, he looks like he exercises still for sure. 
Um, <laughs> and and I would say, you know, the same for herd. Now we don't know how how fragile herds herds body is right now right like if is is he right exactly that's one thing we don't know and and we don't we know need to see them either. in pads right. taking a hit or two yeah but for now they're moving well they seem like they're on the right path with d ford it's impossible to know because the team doesn't really know but he's out there with the helmet and cleats participating in individual drills and i sort of expected him to just be a guy who would spend the first two or three weeks training camp just like on the side field doing recovery stuff so the fact he's actually doing football things is positive again i haven't seen him really push himself he's on the he's on the sled he's doing those get off drills um but you know i I don't i still just given that the back thing has been recurring throughout his entire football career dating back to college it's still hard for me to feel confident that like okay they're going to get a season from D Ford where he plays 40% of the snaps and has eight sacks. Like I, I think that's possible, but I think that's unlikely and it's hard to trust his body or him to stay healthy, I guess. The signs, the signs are undeniably positive so far Two practices into camp. (laughs) That's the context. That's the very important context of all of this, but that's a, that's the job, right? Like that's why we're at every practice, right? so (laughs) we could we could just do one big training camp pod at the end and just skip updates i guess yeah Yeah. so but i will say so far so good on that front for for those three guys who could all be really important players for the 49ers yeah and i will say if there's something to be concerned about early on in camp sure yeah let's let's it might be like down on the positivity here (laughs) yeah we don't we it's not it's not way too much off there's been a lot of positive developments through two practices but like emmanuel mosley landing on the covid list um potentially means him missing a week uh he's one of your starting cornerbacks at a position that's already pretty thin they're thinking about bringing in drake kirkpatrick or they're at least bringing him on on friday for a workout um cornerbacks who are available at this point are usually available at this point for a reason and it's not because they're super awesome and at the peak of their careers generally. So needing to bring in somebody like Drake or Patrick this late in the process indicates to me that they, you know, and it's just a workout who, who knows if they actually sign him, but Emmanuel Mosley not being in there isn't great. Having playing Tim Harris jr. Who's never, I don't think he's played many, if any meaningful NFL snaps. Um, he might've gotten into a game last year. I'd, I have forgotten purposefully so much about last year (laughs) (laughs) and particularly the end of the season when it was like all practice squad guys playing football, but you know, that's not ideal, right? Like it's not ideal to have Tavon Wilson playing uh, as your starting strong safety or Tim Harris jr. Playing as your starting corner. Right. Um, You know, and, and you haven't had Javon Kinlaw in team drills because he had to have, or I don't. So Kyle Shanahan said he didn't. He wasn't sure if Javon Kinlaw had to have his knee drained. But so Javon <laughs> Kinlaw had knee surgery after the season. The team termed it sort of routine and minor. Um, and then while he was traveling around during the time off, his knee swelled up on him, and so that led to needing to be taken off of his knee for a little bit, um, some rehab type stuff, and not doing team drills. The reason why this is a little bit alarming is because there were teams before the NFL draft 
that red flag Javon Kinlaw's medical because of, you know, potential knee issues. Mm. So, you know, it might be that Javon Kinlaw just always has some sort of knee issue throughout his career. And, you know, the fact that he's not, he, he's still out there. He's doing individual stuff. Um, he's, he hasn't participated in team drills yet, but like, you know, the starting defensive line has been basically Eric Armstead, DJ Jones, Zach Kerr and or Kevin Givens and Samson Ebukam, um, who's had sort of a nondescript start so far. Um, albeit with no pads and, you know, you can't hit the quarterback. So it's kind of hard to say, <laughs> but if there's a concern, it's that, all right, the depth is already being tested on the defensive side. And that's where you, you know, your secondary is not as good as it was in 2019 when you had prime Richard Sherman still. Um, you do have a first-year defensive coordinator in D'Amico Ryans. Like, if the Niners are going to contend for a Super Bowl, they're going to need to have a top-10 defense at least. And for right now, it doesn't look like a top-10 defense. And maybe that's hmm. contributing to the to the quarterbacks playing well. Um, and, you know, it'll get better. But typically in training camp, like, the defense is ahead of the offense, right? Because the, the offense is predicated on timing and chemistry and all of those things that you work out throughout training camp where defense is more static, I guess. It, it seems like the Niners offense is well ahead of the defense at this point. And maybe that's just because they're being cautious with all these guys and all these guys will be fine by week, by the time week one starts. But if there's a concern while you're watching practice, it's like, all right, you don't want to have Tim Harris lining up against starting NFL receivers or like start, you know, if Tim Harris jr. Is lining up against DK Metcalf in a crucial game this season, like you're, that's not ideal at all. Right. So sure. that's if, I'm going to those are, those are gonna, the negative developments from the first two practices. Glass half full. Check this out. In 2019, we thought the 49ers offense wasn't going to be very good, but it turns out that it's because the defense was awesome. Maybe the reverse is happening this year. Ever think about that? Well, we've said it. <laughs> like we've jo- said that. <laughs> I'm joking. No, I know. But we've said, I mean, the, the broader theme for this season or a broader theme is like, they're probably not going to be as good defensively without DeForest Buckner and without prime Richard Sherman. Um, and Nick Bosa coming off the injury and the uncertainty with D Ford, which means the offense is going to have to get better if the Niners were going to, you know, be one of the best teams in the NFC. And they still, you know, they had the second highest scoring offense in the league in 2019, but nobody really thought about that team as like this offensive juggernaut. It was, Oh, that team, they can run the hell out of the ball and they have one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the league. It's going to take a different formula this year. If, if they don't get great seasons from Javon Kinlaw and Jason Verrett or Emmanuel Mosley or whatever. So there's, there are, there are some questions about the defense that, that the team is going to need to answer as training camp goes on in my estimation. Yeah. And I think that's, that all falls into kind of the, you know, two practices in, uh, context. Absolutely. Is there anything we missed from practice so far? Anything that's kind of jumped out that maybe you didn't, didn't think there were, was important enough maybe to write about or some things you're mm. what do you here? Let's, let's do this. Let's, let's, let me frame it this way. What we're recording this Thursday evening. Um, you'll probably be listening to this Friday, like while the Niners are practicing. 
Um, when when you, Chris, go into Friday's practice, what are you kind of looking for? Or are you still in the taking it all and there's no specific things that have jumped out? Yeah, spot? I mean, it's it's still very early. And and what happens, the, the thing is with training camp is that one day the offense will be great. The next day, the defense will be great. Mm, right, and, right. you know, so it can be kind of a roller coaster in terms of that. Like Wednesday, the offense was really good. The defense wasn't particularly good. Thursday, the defense was better. Jason Verrett had a really nice practice. He had a couple uh, pass breakups. I think Dante Johnson had a pass breakup. Mm. It wasn't it wasn't as easy for the 49ers offense to move the ball, um, particularly in the passing game on Thursday as it was on Wednesday. But there were still some plays that, you know, Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo made. Um, but it what there they there just weren't as many on Thursday. So I'm I'm curious to see how the defense sort of responds. Um, because you know, you have a new defensive coordinator, obviously, you have a new secondaries coach in Corey Unlin, who right. we don't really know anything about. And and schematically, all we really know in terms of the differences between D'Amico Ryan's defense and Robert Sala's is that they're going to probably blitz a lot more and maybe be more multiple and, and aggressive in terms of, of that. But like, sure. It's kind of hard to tell during training camp when no pads are on and a bunch of players are out like Jaquaski Tart, Emmanuel Mosley, um, Nick Bosa, D Ford, Javon Kinlaw. Like that's five. Those are basically five starters, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so that's or five heavy contributors. So that's half your defense almost. Right. So how is that going to change as these next couple weeks um, progress? You know, really the big, the big week is next week because, you know, these two practices or that these four practices are just sort of everybody getting into the groove of camp next week, like Monday, first big pad day, everybody's going to be excited. There's going to be some hits. There might be a fight, whatever. Everybody's energized. Thursday, it's going to be a slog, right? Right. Like that's when you start to hit like the dog days of camp when you have like, man, we've had three padded practices in a row. And like, all right, now we're now it's less about the excitement of just being back on the field and more about like, all right, my body's kind of wearing down. This is a lot of football. Mm -hmm. You know, let's play some preseason games and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like it it gets training camp hits a point in mid-August where it's like, um, it's a slog, you know, the dog days of camp is a cliche, but it's, sure. it's something a lot of people experience. So how does the defense and its depth respond to that portion of camp will be interesting. And also just the quarterback stuff. I have two things Yeah, before we get out of here. Yep. Um, I'm going to talk about this on the podcast for the first time and maybe the only time. Um, I produce a sports talk radio show in San Francisco at 95, seven, the game. And we had your fellow beat writer, Cam Inman, our 95, seven, the game 49ers insider on. And he said that the battle that's jumped out to him most in camp through two days has been Debo Samuel against Jason Verrett. Yep. Has that stood out to you as well as one of the top kind of head to head matchups? Yeah, it's, it's very evenly matched and they're both physical guys. Samuel's obviously a little bit bigger than Verrett, but Verrett doesn't really shy away from it. He's a dog. He's a dog. Um, (laughs) They're both dogs, but 
I think the strength of Verrett's game is when he presses and and can use his physicality. Um, I, I think I think that's one thing he's really good at, and that's sort of where Debo thrives too, right? Like we know how much Debo loves contact, um, and so it is it is a really good matchup. There are some you know in seven on sevens, um, in full team drills, there there are plays where it's like Verrett will be in will have good coverage. And Debo will still make the catch through contact, right? Or there will be plays where Verrett will have good coverage and break up the pass. And so that's definitely one of those ones where it's those two guys sort of embrace their physicality and and enjoy going against each other. And you can see that when they are practicing. So I, I think Cam makes a good point with that one. Um, yeah, I don't have the second. The second thing I have for you, it's okay. I can bail you out here. Okay. The second and final thing I have for you is do you think, and I'm going to ask you this probably every podcast. So for the first time I'm asking you, do we get an open QB competition in camp? Does Kyle Shanahan ever come out and say like, yeah, we're, we're deciding on a starter. So what happens with training camp usually, and it's a little bit unique this year because there are going to be joint practices against the Chargers. Typically, I think the number's 14. Don't quote me on that. But typically, the NFL mandates that 14 practices are open, are fully open to reporters. So reporters watch start to finish. They don't have to leave. After those practices, and it's usually over a three-week period, um, reporters only watch the beginning of practice, like in stretching and individual drills, usually about 20 minutes, which Mm -hmm. is generally what happens during the regular season. So I bring that up to say, I think when the competition is, is going to be at its most heated, the media is not going to be there watching. It'll be, it'll Mm. be after the, like the week between the chargers preseason game and the Raiders preseason game, Seems to me like the sweet spot to where if Kyle Shanahan's really going to ramp it up and do some different things in a way that reporters can't watch, that might be the time it happens. I don't think he's and and look, it's still early, right? Trey Trey Lance has had I think seven practices now, mm-hmm. um, or sorry, did did he have seven? No, sorry, nine practices now. He had seven during OTAs, mm. so it's still very early for Trey Lance and I don't think they're quite on, on equal footing just yet, but the Niners drafted Trey Lance with the expectation that, Hey, if we need to play this guy, we'll play him. Um, so given everything we've talked about leading up to this point in terms of what Trey Lance gives you that Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't, um, in terms of running or, you know, off schedule playmaking that stuff that we haven't seen yet, and so I'm wondering if we are going if if the 49ers are going to look at some of those things more closely when they're done doing their installation period, which, you know, they, they basically do an install these four days and then they reinstall it when pads come on um, next week. And then after that, it's more, you know, intense practice type stuff. Do you think at any point Kyle Shanahan comes out and admits that they haven't decided on a starter for week one? Well, he's going to be asked for your sure. answer can change. Like you're, you're right now. Do you foresee it happening? Like you're, you're guessing. I'm not. You're not beholden to this answer. Wait, ask the question again. At any point in camp, 
do we see Kyle Shanahan say like, yeah, we'll see who starts week one. So I think that depends on how the preseason games go. And normally, I'm okay, that's fine. So, right. Guy, but I think you, I think you'll be able to learn a lot about Trey Lance in particular during these preseason games, because there will be people trying to hit him, Right. Okay. So um, right now it's a no. Right now it's a no. And Kyle, okay. I, don't, I don't imagine Kyle Shanahan deviating from the, from the thought that it's not a quarterback competition as long as the media is out there watching practice. Because right. sure, I don't sure, sure. think it doesn't really benefit Kyle Shanahan or, or the 49ers to, to put on an open quarterback well, competition in front of the media for, for the whole world to see and it's, try to digest. Right. And it's already, it's already gonna, it's already gonna happen because, you know, training camp throwing stats get tossed out and videos get posted and, Fans are going to, I know, uh, fans are going to, my cat's very interested in our conversation. You know, fans and media are going to take any little morsels they get and turn it into Lance versus Garoppolo. That is inherently what's happening with the 49ers right now. It's Lance against Garoppolo, whether Kyle Shanahan wants to call it that or not. So it's going to be that no matter what the head coach says, the fervor gets ramped up fully when you get the the context of the head coach says it's a quarterback battle so what is the head coach seeing because right now it's just oh lance went six for ten with the twos and garoppolo went five for eleven and uh you know they both had their ups and downs right it's a lot different than they both had their ups and downs but man if you're shanahan you can't like what you saw from garoppolo that becomes a lot a lot different conversation yeah yeah, I, I think he's going to maintain the status quo and that, you know, it, it's going to take Trey Lance to have some like incredible practices for Shanahan to be like, all right, we're going to throw you behind the starting offensive line now. Right. You know, so, yeah, I think I think it's if it does materialize into a real competition, it's going to be after the media is barred from from watching team drills, okay. um, which will be basically after the Chargers preseason game. So okay. late mid August, mid late August, if it does turn okay. into a competition. But for now, I mean, you know, if they play Sunday, obviously Garoppolo is going to be the starter. But I think Lance is is performing pretty well, which I think you and I both expected. Um, and you know, and people we spoke to, and just all the reading we've done, and all of that stuff. Everybody was like, "Yeah, Trey Lance could probably start sooner than you think." Right, and I think that's true. And I think what's what's more surprising than that to me is just Jimmy Garoppolo looking more like 2017 Jimmy Garoppolo than than 2020 Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. Um, Which would put the Niners in a good spot. Spicy Jimmy. Maybe there's, you know, maybe it's Rich Scangarello or maybe it's the fact that he's got that Travis Matthew uh, endorsement deal now. I would kill for a Travis Matthew endorsement. I, I not even an for endorsement like, for a lot hey, of Travis Matthews sponsor our podcast. Yeah. Like any, any apparel company that makes comfy stuff. That's like dry fit. Um, you know, if you want to sponsor me, I will, I will publish, I will post the shit out of whatever your stuff is on social media or us or us. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, golf, I'm more of a team player exercise, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. We, I can Yoga. do it on social media <laughs> if you're going to give it to me for free. If just want if, to put that out there. 
if your uh, hydration tea comes in a rectangular shaped bottle and costs twelve dollars, Chris is in. <laughs> if your currently... if your juice says super greens anywhere on it, yep, I'm in. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, I'm currently wearing a uh, a dry fit T-shirt I I bought from Costco recently. Hey, don't sleep. Hey, don't sleep a on Costco's uh, clothing selection. Costco selling dry fit stuff has been. Let's just say it's been a significant. It's had a significant impact on my wardrobe. Not that I would like wear a lot of it out in public, but like. Around the house during during a pandemic and all that stuff like it's Costco has been shout out to Costco. Costco, if you want to sponsor us. Yeah. <laughs> Costco um, stick chronicles <laughs> Costco stick chronicles man any anything else that people we feel like people need to know about the two practices not not yet okay. uh I'm really looking forward though because there's we we knew I don't think there are there are any new angles that have come out of camp yeah but it's just a fascinating just from a pure like we don't know what's going to happen standpoint. And I know that's dumb. Like that's why, that's why we do this because we don't know what's happening. Like I can't stand when people write something and they finish with it. It'll be interesting to see like, yeah, that's why we're doing this. Um, but the early returns on those storylines, I think they're going to live up to the kind of excitement that had been built up from, you know, Bosa's return to Ford's return to what does Jalen Hurd look like to the receiving core uh, the quarterback battle, all that. Um, I have some quick hitters. Oh, quick hitters. Extreme okay. Extreme quick hitters. So um, Aaron Banks is not getting starting reps at right guard yet. It was Daniel Brunskill on Wednesday, Tom Compton on Thursday, moving Brunskill to the backup center spot on Thursday. So for everybody keeping a close eye on the offensive line depth chart, that's what's happening there. Um, Marcel Harris the strong safety working at linebacker. Um, so that's notable. Uh, Trey Sermon has been getting basically splitting reps with the starters um, behind Raheem Mostert. And it, it hasn't been Wayne Gallman or anybody else, obviously with Jeff Wilson out, Trey Sermon's been getting a lot of burn, um, which I don't think is a surprise to people who've been listening to us because I think you and I both think Trey Sermon's going to be good and, and might even lead the 49ers and carries this year. Um, let's see what else. Yeah. I, it wouldn't surprise me if Tim Harris is not getting first team reps. Um, you know, maybe that, that switches. Do you think Ambry team. Thomas gets those reps at some point? So this was a conversation we've had somebody in the, in the lock in the uh, media workroom asked like, they had to come up with a uh, a bold prediction. And my bold prediction I threw at them was that Ambry Thomas would win. And this was before the first practice. Um, Ambry Thomas would win a starting job over Emmanuel Mosley. Um, I don't know if I've watched Ambry Thomas close enough to say like, oh, he's, he looks awesome. He's been working with the second and third team. Um, but just given that Tim Harris hasn't been awesome, um, given that Emmanuel Mosley is out on the COVID list, if it wouldn't surprise me if Ambry Thomas starts getting starting reps at some point here. 
because he was a third round pick. Yeah. And somebody who they viewed, you know, if he played last year, might have been a second round guy, which is somebody who could yeah. start right away. So there's that. There's that to think about. Um, but yeah, those are my those were just my random quick hitting observations because people always ask like, oh, how I want some of those after every podcast. Like, honestly, here's oh, here's the thing. And maybe pull out my notebook. Yeah, no. Um, if if you want to subscribe, rate and review, if you haven't. I'm going to have a heart-to-heart with Chris here about journalism. Okay, great. Love this. He's Chris. I'm Kyle. Subscribe, rate, review.